In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My friends, just as in a requiem mass, the mass for all souls, there is grace given towards two different things. We are given grace by God in this mass for each one. as a royal in the kingdom of God and intercede the greatest calling of that priesthood to offer prayers and specifically to offer prayers for those that we so loved on this earth who have passed through the veil before us. If you can picture intercession, if you really picture it, is when we offer something into the hands of Christ and let go and say, Thy will be done. And that, that, that is intercession. That's prayer. And it's what we're called to do tonight and what we're lifting into the arms of Christ are all of those souls that we love so dearly, placing them in His bosom, so to speak. And we pray very specific things. And those prayers are out of love. Yesterday, at the Feast of All Saints, we talked about the love in the kingdom of God, the love and the fellowship of the body of Christ, one with another, and also one together with our Lord. And the saints intercede for us in heaven because when Christ was resurrected, death was defeated, and the veil, the veil between us and the kingdom of God became extraordinarily thin. Those who have passed on before us live more than we do, and they're in the very presence of Christ, who we are told is always interceding for his people. And so they join him. And so our response tonight is a response of love to them. Because as they pray for us that we would run the race, this blessed cloud of witnesses cheering us on, now we pray for them. We pray prayers such as this, as you heard in the collect prayer tonight, that again gives us our central thought to this Mass, the central remembrance. We pray, O oh God, the Creator and Redeemer of all the faithful, grant unto the souls of thy servants and handmaids the remission of all their sins. And this showing of love through prayer for those who have passed through the veil goes back to as antiquity as you can get in the church. Because you see the very next generation of Christians beyond the apostles, we have our first evidenced prayer of prayers for the departed. And they happened to fall as prayers of St. Ignatius of Antioch because they were certainly written down, done in the liturgies even then. And remember, St. Ignatius of Antioch was a direct disciple of the Apostle John. And he was the third patriarch of Antioch. We're talking the very next generation. All they learned about the faith was from the Apostles. I want you to hear the very blessed prayer being prayed in Antioch, that next generation beyond the Apostles. Receive in tranquility and peace, O Lord, the souls of your servants, who have departed this present life to come to you. Grant them rest, and place them in the habitations of light, the abodes of blessed spirits. Give them the life that will not age, good things that will never pass away, delights that have no end. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The first generation beyond the apostles were doing what that first generation of the apostles had started doing. 
continuing to pray in love for those who have passed on and gone before our Lord Jesus Christ. They've been going on these prayers for the whole 2,000 years of the church. And after we lift our beloved by name a little bit later in this Mass, offering them, and please, yes, the priest is naming the names, but the priests are praying for the souls. So with every name that is lifted up, don't let it be by the priest at the altar alone. Lift every soul, whether you know them or not, before the Lord in love for them, asking them to be granted everything Christ promised in paradise. And after we lift up those names, we will pray prayers that are very akin to what you heard in that first century under St. Ignatius. We will pray prayers such as we beseech thee, O Lord, that unto them, and to all such rest in Christ, thou wilt grant a place of refreshing, of light, and of peace. A lot of people outside of the church do ask, why do we pray for the departed? It's a valid question because they've never seen this. I was raised outside of the church and never understood until I looked at the constant teachings of the church on why we do this. My friends, we do this. We lift up the departed for a number of reasons. I'll just give you a few. One is what St. Paul says. We know a little bit about what the soul endures. St. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians in chapter 3, and I begin in verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will, the day, that last day, the day they go before Christ, that day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as though through flames. What St. Paul is using to describe the purification of the soul beyond the veil when it goes before the perfect holiness of our Lord Jesus Christ is the process of smelting, the way that they purify pure metals. And the, excuse me, the way that that happens is they heat up by fire, by flame, these precious metals to the point of being completely liquidated by the heat. And when they're liquid, what always rises to the surface are all the impurities that were in that metal. It's called dross. And it comes to the surface, and it comes to the surface for one reason, so that they can take that dross, all the impurities, scrape them away. And as the impurities are removed, when that metal cools, it's now purified, perfected, precious gold, silver, whatever metal it happens to be. This is what our souls go through as we go to Christ. And though it is healing, there's mourning. Look at Isaiah when he went before the Lord. When he saw the perfect holiness of God, what was his response? Woe is me. He was pained at the impurities that he saw within himself. And so he went before God. And what else could he do with it all being revealed? And he cried out for healing and mercy. And it's precisely what God gave him. And purified him. And then sent him. And this is what happens with us, my friends. And I promise you this. 
when I go before Christ our God and I meet him in that day and I endure this, I long for the prayers of all the saints. The saints in heaven and the saints in earth, there's one body, not two. All the saints pray for mercy for me and that I will be granted paradise that the Lord will truly take all of that impurity that I left with, the things unyet healed and restored in me. And that Christ would grant mercy. I need your prayers. I want your prayers. And my friend, we pray these prayers because our brothers and sisters in Christ have gone for us. That's the heart behind why we pray for them. That God will grant us. And so tonight, we walk in grace being given to intercede as the priesthood for all souls that have departed this life. But we also receive grace for our own lives in this moment, in this Mass even for today itself, and I pray for tomorrow. Because another great purpose of this Mass is Christ puts himself front and center. There's a purpose quite similar to Ash Wednesday and a number of other celebrations and remembrances that we have that call our mortality to come right before our faces, which is what we should live with every blessed day of our lives. Because in this Mass, when we lift up every name of the souls that have gone before us, you know what we're doing? We're doing what all the monastics do. The monastics are consistently going to the graves and the bones of their brother monastics who have passed on before them because they want to look death in the face. Because they know the resurrection. And they want to go before those who have left them to see, I'm going to go there. This will be me someday. Therefore, today, I choose Christ. I choose to love Christ. I choose to follow Christ. Because, my friends, today is that blessed wake-up call that splashes that blessed holy water in our face. The wake-up call to shed the lie and the results of the lie that you are promised another moment, another day, another week, another year, 10 years, 20 years, and to realize that you have one thing to count on, and it's the breath in that moment. And when we have our mortality in front of our faces, those who love Christ, the mortality presses us into the one who heals and purifies. Every day, we have to live with that blessed day only. Counting on and in mercy asking God to give us the grace of God to love Him today. And how do we love Him as we said yesterday? Jesus says, those who love me, they follow me. That day, that day alone. And if we'll live that way, then much purification of the dross can happen on this side of the veil. And when we pass through, that final purification happens. And we may be granted the paradise we rejoiced in talking about yesterday. So we walk in the grace to lift the souls of our beloved in the hands of Christ, begging them to give them, give them paradise eternal in that last day. Because remember, the last day hasn't happened yet. Those souls that have passed on, there will be a final day where Christ will return. We're coming up on Advent where we will prepare for that return. And when Christ returns, the souls of the dead and the living will meet Him in the heavens. And every soul ever created will go before God. Why do we pray for the souls? Because we haven't gone through there yet. They haven't gone through there yet. Lord, grant them paradise. And grant us paradise.
when we walk in the grace to thought to really focus to see our mortality clearly and let mortality be the blessedness that God intended it to. So that we're purified here in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the